We're talking today with Jim Singer on Fox Rothschild Podcast. Jim is a partner with Fox Rothschild in Pittsburgh. He provides strategic guidance to clients throughout the process of identifying, acquiring, licensing, and protecting their intellectual property assets. Jim publishes a popular blog, IP Spotlight, and he recently authored an article in IP Litigator entitled Patents in the Area of Online Advertising, Reaching the Target Audience Without Becoming a Patent Litigation Target. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Jim, in your article, you talk about the recent explosion in advertising-related patents and how this will be an important feature in advertising for years to come. Yep. As advertising and order fulfillment systems become intertwined with new media like Facebook and other social networking sites, as well as smartphones and other technologies, advertisers must be prepared for the possibility of a patent infringement claim. As the number of patents covering advertising methods and systems rises, so will the number of enforcement actions. So all successful companies should expect that at some point they may be sued for patent infringement. So they need to be prepared. The article explains that good preparation helps ensure that the company doesn't increase its own exposure because of failure to follow proper communications and reporting procedures. For example, after receiving a patent notice or an infringement claim, the company should promptly involve their patent counsel They should limit written internal communications and promptly notify IT vendors and insurance providers of the claim. All of these actions will place the advertiser in the best possible position to assess, defend against, and hopefully resolve the claim as efficiently as possible. Jim, what are some of the more prominent advertising patents and patent lawsuits you're seeing right now in the market? Well, today's advertising patents tend to focus on methods and systems for marketing and selling products and services online or through mobile electronic devices like smartphones. For example, over the past five years or so, companies like Accenture, IBM, Microsoft, Motorola, Navtech, Qualcomm, Yahoo, and many others receive patents for methods and systems for providing consumers with location-based advertising. So if you're a company that provides location-based advertising, or if you host an e-commerce website or interact with your customers on social media, you need to start thinking about these types of patents. In the field of order fulfillment, one of the best known patents is Amazon.com's United States patent called Method and System for Placing a Purchase Order via a Communications Network. It's more commonly known as the one-click patent, and it's often cited as the key impetus for efforts to reform the Patent Act and improve quality at the Patent and Trademark Office. Mm -hmm. After much public criticism, in 2006, the Patent Office ordered a re-examination of the one-click patent, but the patent emerged from that re-exam largely intact. During the re-exam, Amazon.com amended the claims to require that products be purchased either by a one-click method or by a shopping cart model, but other than that, the patent largely remained unchanged. Jim, Non-practicing entities, or NPEs, uh, do not use the patent and invention to sell products or services. Rather, they license the invention to others to sell products or services. Tell us a bit more about NPEs. Well, universities and research institutions have followed models like this for years, Mm -hmm. but NPEs are different. They're for-profit entities, and they're more willing to enforce patents through litigation. In some cases, the lawsuit may be the first time that the accused infringer even becomes aware of the patent or has the opportunity to license it. One of the first and best known NPEs is Acacia Research. They made their mark several years ago by sending patent notice letters to, uh, and in many cases suing, a number of operators in the entertainment industry. Uh, These patents involve streaming media technologies. 
Acacia claims to own more than 200 patent portfolios today, uh, and fields that they have patents in include database access, electronic message advertising, internet radio advertising, online ad tracking, and online promotion. Another NPE that pioneered litigation relating to patents and online advertising is a company that's been known as Clear with Computers and also known as Orion IP. Orion IP and its affiliates asserted patents against more than 500 companies, mm. including automotive firms, big box retailers, software patents, and others uh, in fields relating to parts catalogs and online ordering systems. Jim, what does a patent holder typically seek when pursuing an infringement action? Well, it may depend on who the patent holder is. If the patent holder is an NPE, the advertiser should expect to receive a demand for a royalty or maybe a flat fee in exchange for a patent license. Mm -hmm. That royalty might be a percentage of products or services sold using the advertising method. It might be a percentage of the advertiser's total revenues, or there might be some other measure of value. Uh, the amount that is initially demanded uh, is probably going to be steep, but often it's much less than a court would award if the holder would succeed in litigation, and sometimes it's even less than the cost of the litigation itself. Hmm. On the other hand, if the patent holder is a competitor, the stakes may be higher. The competitor may not be interested in licensing the patent to you. Instead, they may want to stop the infringement with an injunction so that they, the patent holder, are really the only entity that can make, use, or sell the patented process while the patent's in effect. Jim, can you briefly describe what businesses can do to protect themselves against, or at least be prepared for, what seems to be the inevitability of patent litigation? Sure. Well, when a, an NPE or any other patent holder accuses a company of infringement, the initial contact may be a cease and desist letter, or it might be a more informal letter inviting the recipient to purchase a patent license. On the other hand, the patent holder may simply skip that and go straight to court. Um, any of those situations should be taken seriously. The company that receives that letter or complaint should prepare their staff to respond to and defend against the allegations. All communications involving the claim should be limited to staff who've been properly trained in patent litigation procedures. Jim, how important is it to train corporate staff? It's critical. Corporate staff should immediately forward any complaint, cease and desist letter, or other communication relating to the patent to their in-house or external legal counsel. Although it's tempting for technical staff or management to start by performing their own analysis of the patent before contacting the attorneys, they really shouldn't do that. The resulting documentation can create significant risks for the company. Patents are highly specialized legal documents, and the scope of the patent is defined by a particular series of sentences known as the claims. However, technical staffs and managers who are untrained in patent procedures may start by looking at other sections of the patent, and they might reach incorrect conclusions based on that initial review. Hmm. If a staff member creates a document with incorrect conclusions, that document might be used against the company if it's not privileged, that is, if it's not directed to counsel. So companies should train their staff to not create any internal emails, communications, notes, or other documents relating to the accusation of patent infringement. Instead, all their communications should be directed to counsel. Jim, what about vendor contracts? Well, this is an area where companies can look to shift some of their liability. Most businesses today engage in at least some online advertising or sell products online, uh, but the technical details of that are often left to third-party vendors like software suppliers or web hosting services. Um, if the accused activity or website function was developed or supplied by a third-party vendor, uh, that contract might provide for warranties or indemnities against infringement. The warranty or indemnity won't prevent the defendant from owing damages to the patent holder, but it might allow the defendant to turn around 
and be fully or at least partially reimbursed by the vendor. Hmm. Jim, uh, what about a review of insurance contracts? Well, this should happen quickly. Uh, advertisers should consider when they first get a claim whether their insurance policy will require the insurer to defend or indemnify the company against the claim. While specialized policies that provide protection against IP infringement are typically rare and often very expensive, most commercial general liability insurance companies do have an advertising injury policy. While they, that will not cover most intellectual property infringement claims, recent court decisions suggest that when the patent claim includes an advertising process, then the advertising injury clause of the CGL policy may protect the defendant. Well, thank you, Jim. This is all quite fascinating. Uh, listeners, to receive a copy of Jim's article in IP Litigator, please contact him at 412-391-2486 or at jsinger, that's J-S-I-N-G-E-R, at foxrothschild.com. Also, for more about the business side of intellectual property, check out Jim's blog at ipspotlight.com. Fox Rothschild LLP is a full-service law firm built to serve business leaders. Over the past 100 years, we have grown to more than 500 lawyers in more than 16 offices coast-to-coast. Our clients come to us because we understand their issues, their priorities, and the way they think. We help clients manage risk and make better decisions by offering practical advice. Visit us on the web at www.foxrothschild.com. Thank you.